everybody, welcome to another Fireside Chats. My name's Jared. And my name's Caesar. And today we're going to do a, something a little different. We've decided on a theme and a movie instead of just a movie. Today we're going to be talking about the prequel. Though some would argue all of our, movie, all of our po- previous podcasts had a theme. Some of them were Sam Neill. So, yeah. <laughs> well... Uh, one Another out one of the two films. was I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. All right, so not too different, but today I, we're focusing on. We're definitely focusing on prequels, and in particular, one of our favorite prequels, The Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Which I I think um, just getting into the subject of of. sequels and, and sequels at work um or prequels at work mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a uh a ninja prequel it really is you don't expect it to be like no like when you think prequels the the ones that that that, that everyone comes to mind are uh i mean, I mean most of the time when you, when you bring up the term prequel it, it elicits a very kind of visceral negative like redundant yeah. unnecessary uh derivative uh Effect where it's just like, well, well the bad taste. Okay, you're gonna go. It's just Hollywood going back and mm-hmm. telling stories that don't need to be told. Thanks, George Lucas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but some would argue he he did one of the first best ones. He did, yeah, because George Lucas is responsible for as, as much Jones. bad as he brought it, into the world. Lucas he brought films. some real great stuff. So yeah. that that's a single. But we can explore. Different types of uh, prequels, yeah. On the later half, but I guess first and foremost, let's kind of talk about Indiana Jones, the uh, Christ- Temple, of Doom. Temple of Doom. It's uh, Instead- Indiana Jones and the Dyslexic Commentator, <laughs> <laughs> the movie that shall not be named. It's gosh. Um, so I think I this think- is where we play the audio from South Park because they raped him. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> What a pinball machine. Please don't. Yeah, you look so pretty. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Damn it, Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. Just do it. But, okay, so I guess I'd like to start off with why... Why was it so easy for us to gravitate towards the Temple of Doom when everything we've seen, it's kind of like you said, it's a, it's a ninja prequel. People don't talk about it a whole lot. And I think partially because... When you think of the Indiana Jones movies and you think of them individually, at least uh, me specifically, I can look at them and you could have told me they took place in any order, you know? Yeah. And I I would have believed you. I mean, essentially, like, character relationships would be a bit more interesting and confusing if it was in different orders. But at the same time, like... At, at, at the same time, I think we were, we were just having this discussion with our friend Tello. Shout out to Eric. Um, he pointed out that he always felt that it was bef- like it was the first Indiana Jones movie. But he had never uh, actively researched it. Exactly. Like, tried, and, to, tried to prove it. And I said I felt the same way as a kid. It was like we just kind of knew this happened beforehand. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, I didn't give it any thought until, like, I read that it was, in fact, technically 
a prequel because it took place before mm-hmm. um, the the movie that, that followed, um, or I guess the movie that that preceded it. And I think the thing that makes it work so well is that it's just a movie. Okay. It it, it it's a movie that focuses on being a good movie first, and the, the it's the, not tied to the original. Yeah. In almost it, any the, way. The only character that you see that that carries through is Indiana Jones. Yeah. I, I to my knowledge there are no other actors or character no other characters in the first Indian in in Temple of Doom that there, that were also in Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, I don't yeah, definitely um, not. There's no way. Yeah. We would we would have definitely known. Cuz literally the whole movie is, is it's Indiana Jones in a situation kind of just he has no control over it. Yeah. It's like the Big Lebowski of of Indiana Jones is. Yeah. Where he's just like I'm Indiana Jones and I abide and then things are like, no, we're going to kill you. And it's like, whoa, man, you can't can't kill me. Yeah, exactly. I got to um, make a couple more movies. And he just kind of movie. accidents his way through it and gets what and gets out. Yeah. Um, like can well, And they never address what happens to Short Round after that. Why he's not in Right. Uh, or what happens to Willie? Yeah, like and but when you watch the movie on its own, without any, having watched any of the other movies, you can still appreciate it. Yeah, we haven't seen any of the others in recent memory. Obviously, we've seen them enough to remember them. Yeah. But watching this by itself, you and me were still having legit reactions to some of the dangers in the movie and some of the jokes. Yeah. And like, in no way was it like confusing. We, we, Having seen all of the movies and knowing he's going to survive, because that's not this isn't Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. We were still on the edge of our seats when like the ceiling's coming down, right? And it's like, oh and my god! And now there's spikes. The and way she the, won't touch the bugs. And the way the Spielberg's really able to like amp up that tension, even mm-hmm. though you're like, your suspension of disbelief is 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 carried by every like every cable you can imagine. It's just yeah, you're. you're your disbelief is suspended beyond all doubt. Like, it's just, this is happening. This is going to happen, and he's going to die. It's, it's snowballing. There's no yeah. way getting out of this. It's like, oh, no, the ceiling's going down. This is bad. And then, like, spikes. This is bad. Yeah, this just got a whole <laughs> lot worse. And then they finally save her, and what? Ha- or she finally saves them. And what happens? Spoiler alert. It's triggered a second time. That's right. Yeah. And it got us. It's exasperating. It got all of us expect- again. Even though you know that it's going to happen. We've seen yes. it so many times. And so honestly, gushing over just this one scene right now really sells it as yeah. a movie and ultimately as a prequel. And, and in a broader sense, I feel like I feel like the only role that it taking a place chronologically before the original movie mm-hmm. is to avoid having to deal with a character that already went through the arc from the first movie. Yes, because oh, it it, undo- good... it undoes it undoes a lot of the character development mm-hmm. that's established in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, yeah, because we we don't we don't need any of that, mm-hmm. and so putting it before that means because the things that he sees in Raiders of the Lost Ark that would change a man. Mm-hmm. And this takes place like, yeah before that he's 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 technically a year younger. Mm-hmm. He's a little more reckless. He doesn't care about things. It's like yeah. he's just he's. A lot more of his friends die in this one. Yeah. It's Whether that's really only like one, but in short, the, in short the intro. Short fine. Yeah, short round's fine, but the That's eight, right. Yeah, the, the, the movie the opens up with one of his, his compatriots dying in front of him. Yeah. It was also a much darker movie. It was, yeah. And it, so it's interesting that it ended up becoming darker when 
the change of setting and time period, even by a year, was to avoid having the Nazis as the villains In the movie. again. Yeah. And it's, it's like darker it, without the Nazis. Yeah. Which is another interesting idea I think we've just stumbled on. Uh, I mean, not required. It it did. It, I think there's, there's there's something cartoonish about uh, Nazis in in, mm-hmm. in most. At this point, they took the cartoonish villain aspect and basically painted India in a bad light. Yes, and I, I think I believe you found a quote. Um, yeah, by Spielberg and Lucas. Oh man, well, where is it? Um. Uh, yeah, well, basically, reading up on it is they, their opinion was they would, uh, one of the writers was like, I don't, like, we, we know people in India, we don't think they'll let us, let us film there, and I think it was, it was either George or Steve, I think, was like, are you kidding? It's us. Like, of course they'll let us shoot there. And then essentially Hayek later recalled that quote, at one point while we were writing it, we told George, we know a lot of Indians. We've been there. I don't think that they're going to, I don't think they're going to think this is really so cool. Do you think they're going to have trouble? We're going to have trouble shooting there. He said, and I guess, uh, looks like George Lucas said, are you, are you kidding? It's me and Steve months later. They called and said, we can't shoot in India. They're really upset. So they end up shooting in Sri Lanka and London mostly. Which is hysterical in kind of the worst way. But uh, it's culturally insensitive to say the least. But um, I don't like hand waving and saying it was a different type. But it was very clearly. Um, I mean, uh, it, it, I, think, I think there's a, well, not to derail too much onto this subject. I mean, it's, it's the whole Far Cry thing three savior complex thing where you got right. the white hero comes in literally falls out of the sky um and then the local natives are like mm-hmm. oh you, you can't you, you come you fall right and he's uh, literally, literally the, the the game of thrones scene where he like he's walking into this crap mass of people and they all have their hands on him yeah which and it is which is also a completely different story arc from any of the other indie movies, really. Because it's like the first one was entirely in his control. He took the job to go up against the Nazis. In this one, it was not in his control at all. Yeah. To bring it back into comparison of the previous movie. Yeah, this one, he didn't, there was no... All of the setup for whatever got him in the situation happened before the movie took place. Yeah. Which, in some ways... Almost makes it feel like it's not technically even a prequel. It's it's just the third act of a movie. Or at least the second act. Like yeah, the majority of the movie. Like, they, like they, they don't. Sh- it starts off when he's in he's in Shanghai, mm-hmm. and he's 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 making an exchange for a thing, and it quickly spirals out of control. But um, why does he have that thing? Why is this happening? Why, mm-hmm. why why are we here? Why are these characters here? They just. They they don't even address it. And they yeah. get they get straight to the like, okay, this is what's happening right now, and this is what like he, he he's a he's a plinko chip. He's, yeah. he's an Indiana Jones plinko that, chip. Just okay, so like, that that's a that to open it up, 
yeah. to what we think makes this such a good prequel and what other prequels can learn from it and what we think just to start commentating on what a prequel is and what makes it good. Yeah. I think the pacing in this movie being so different, but at the same time familiar enough because we had the cold open, mm-hmm. but obviously darker. Like his compatriot, his friend, a longtime friend, gets killed during the intro. Mm-hmm. Um, we a longtime friend that we never hear about in any of the other movies because it takes place chronologically exactly. before any of the other movies. Now, anybody who's seen the young Indiana Jones TV series, let us know if that guy shows up. I have no idea, but that would be we haven't crazy. watched. I guess the entire Indiana Jones, young Indiana Jones also TV a prequel are prequels, but but it's but <sighs> there's so many there's so many chances that prequel they could talk. Be a How do you feel about that? The show, yeah. Like I actually do you think really that enjoyed this as show. a prequel. Yes. Yeah, it, it's a prequel. It's a serialized prequel because it's multiple. Now, hmm. I'll, I'll say this. I've never seen any of them. I think they're pretty good. It's, I guess, or at any point, do they lean too heavily on the fact that they're trying to do fan service or reference future movies or movies not, that take place in the future? Not from what I remember. No, it's all... All separated. I think that's something that that, that's is, why that does that does a lot of prequels okay. a great disservice is when yeah. they try really hard to like foreshadow things that mm-hmm. aren't even in the movie. Yes. Okay. So I was the, uh, Temple of Doom references things that were in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but they don't foreshadow anything. Mm-hmm. They 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 reference uh, his fear of snakes. Yes. But with with Indiana Jones's. Uh, or with Indy's reactions and, and the way he looks or, or like the way he his the way he performs elicits and, and reinforces and reminds us of like when he says, oh, I hate snakes. But he, he never says I hate snakes in the movie. Right. Because that was a big line in the, in the first uh, in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Snakes. I hate snakes. But you're alluded to it at least two Twice. times. Yeah, because he sees the snake and he, he freezes up and it, it, it it's. It's a really rewarding payoff without feeling pandering. Because if you seen mm-hmm. if you saw the movie, you're like, oh, that's right. It, it, it plays that clip in your mind. You're just like, snakes, mm-hmm. I hate snakes. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's just, oh, like, homeboy just doesn't like snakes. I guess that's whatever. Like, yeah. It, but it doesn't distract from the movie. It, 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 it it's like how Marvel uh, does their uh, Easter eggs. <laughs> Right, yeah, all it's relevant. like it's it's a nod without beating you over the head with it. Yeah, and I think I think so on the blog or website houseofgeekery.com, There's a really good article by G Funk One Hundred One called "What Makes a Good Prequel." And one of the like the first thing they list is keep the trivial things trivial. If you're jumping from a previously made movie such as Raiders, and you're going before that, you don't you don't have to hit us over the head with, he's afraid of snakes. But if he runs into a snake, have him react. definitely definitely address it in yeah. a way that's like, oh yeah, that's that's his character. You yeah. reinforce the the things that are established. Yeah, and you don't yeah you don't have it's not like, I think what happens to a lot of what people consider prequels and what 
is fresh in our minds with prequels and what soils them when they start doing things like that is the time gap, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you look at the time gap, obviously everyone's thinking it, the time gap between the Star Wars trilogy and the prequel trilogy. There's enough of a gap there to where some of the younger audiences seeing them, that's their first Star Wars movie, maybe. This is true. And so they may be rehashing old things, but it's almost like, and I think maybe a bad example, but also like if there's enough of a gap, they feel like they have to rehash those themes. Whereas with something like Raiders and Temple of Doom, it's close enough to where it's like it doesn't matter as much in like maybe like the writer's eye or the director's eye you know you, yeah. you see what i'm saying they also don't have to try to feed into an overarching narrative yeah like Those they don't like, ha- they don't have to reestablish the character because he's still relevant yeah and within again with indiana jones every movie is technically it's a, its own package yeah deal mm-hmm. the star wars movies the originals are all technically packaged. Like the first one, it works as in its own movie. Yeah. The second one, it definitely ends with a cliffhanger, but I, I would argue it still works as its own it movie. It does. Like they all I work as so, their yeah. own movie. The first, or episode one, it, it's it's too far. There's like movies between it and the original. Mm-hmm. And you're relying on literal nostalgia to care. Because yeah. it, it, it doesn't stand really well as its own movie because it's just these things that are happening be- mm-hmm. in, in service of a plot that took place in pop culture 30 years ago, yeah. um, but in the future. And, and right. the entire movie is just foreshadowing. It's yeah. like, oh, he's, he's, he's going to do bad things. And it's like, All right. well, you're not showing us him doing bad things and i think yes. that, go- that goes against um some of the fundamentals of film right and so on another list of things that i found on filmschoolrejects.com uh article titled four tips for making a good prequel by jeremy kirk 13 his number two tell us something we don't already know yeah which like if they had revealed something about darth vader that wasn't um, like that he's going to be evil like something really like interesting yeah, like, like some, holy shit like he did this thing right other than like he fought in the clone wars I'm a pilot you know right <laughs> yeah he hates sand <laughs> we learned he hates sand thank you like also going Someday back I'm to gonna keep, go to the whole universe yeah keep the trivial trivial like <laughs> yeah so we could tear into those as much as possible bringing back into temple of doom it yeah, told that, that one's low hanging. Or the the Star Wars prequels are low hanging fruit. We're gonna try to avoid. Yeah, ta- it, getting too tied up in that. Too that, that. That's a whole other bag of worms. Metachlorians um, are. Just if you're too interested much. in um, a really thorough uh, teasing of the, of those concepts, I recommend the Red Letter Media um, film critique. Um, it's uh, it's thorough. Thorough. Thorough is a good word. Thorough is a yeah. Um, <laughs> But back to the Temple of Doom. So what would you say, like, judging by this tip, what what would you say the Temple of Doom tells us that we didn't already know? <sighs> I think it characterizes Indiana younger. 
Okay. Um, it kind of shows the reckless abandon with, the, with which he, he, he uh, approaches life. a lot of things. It shows him in a darker stage in his life. Right. Um, a whole lot. Yeah, we see so We see um, his companions are all younger than they seem to be mm-hmm. from the previous movie. Uh, we see a and they're lot all gone. Yeah, we see a lot more mortality in it. Yeah. It's definitely one of the more violent movies. And we're also saying this having not recently. I, I haven't. Re- the last time I watched Raiders was maybe four years ago when they did a 70 millimeter screening right. in Austin. Nice. Yeah. I, have, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's been that long, but it could have. It's been at least a couple of years since I've seen it, I think. Um, but I think I think that's definitely something that it tells us that we just we had no idea we didn't know like not not as straightforward as this is a story we didn't know already yeah it's more of why mm. hmm i don't know a loss for words i guess to really describe like really drive the point home it's it gives us a look at even it i guess the best way i could describe it is the cold open for raiders establish him establishes him as a character who has a job this is what he does he's really good at it and he has a history with bad characters that also do this job yeah and the movie oh there is i guess or ah Damn, I'm so dyslexic. Um, Temple of Doom. And Temple of Doom opens up literally resting on that knowledge. Yeah. Same, he's good same at what he does. Open. And it's, it's a cold open, and he's, he's showing him do, doing what he does and dealing with bad people. Yeah. I, and you could say that almost all of Temple of Doom is like that cold open sequence. Up until the point of they're literally running out of a tunnel at the end. To avoid something chasing them, and then they get cornered by bad guys. Yeah. So it's like you look at it. It's the third act. Like, yeah. It's it's all is lost at the beginning of the movie, pretty much, because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, the plane crashes and this is in the middle of nowhere, and yeah, it's like, all just kind of and then falls it apart. it gets real. Like, what do you say about the uh, the vampire bats in one scene? They're all flying left to denote what. Oh, backwards progress? Yeah, it's like the whole movie was backwards progress up until the point in the Temple of Doom when they finally like kind of got through it. Yeah. You know? um, what What else? What do you think? What What can we move on to next? I think I think it delivers on a lot of the promises that we learned. Like not promises, but like what we'd expect from an Indiana Jones film or him as a character that we've learned in Raiders. You know, there's like there's the hat. Um, there's uh, the the female lead, the love interest, um, which I think is also a good change in the prequel. Is like Willie is the polar opposite. I'm not. I'm not sure. I. To Marion, yes. Now she, I, I she don't also know. Give me very living daylights, Bond girl. Uh, oh, feel. yeah. Uh, I, 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 I closely relate 
Indiana Jones with James Bond, mm-hmm. just because like one of the character inspirations was literally like, what if James Bond was an archaeologist? And, and then they make yeah. his, they make James Bond his, his literal dad. Right, that's good. Um, but and so I, I feel like there's a lot of spiritual, um, I guess, assonance when it comes mm-hmm. to a lot of the concepts that are touched on. But um, the Bond girl from uh, Living Daylight, not Living Daylights, or View to a Kill, View to a Kill, okay. the one with um, uh, Christopher Walken as the villain. Which okay. is arguably probably one of my least favorite Bond movies of all time. Because in almost all of the Bond movies, the, the femme fatale is um, incredibly competent. Yes. And dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the James Bond's primary love interest is always like um, self-sufficient for the most part. In all the movies, she can like handle her yeah. own. She's like some yeah. sort of agent or some sort of double agent. So she's going to kill him or something like that. But in... Uh, View to a Kill, and in this and in Temple of Doom, the the female love interests are they're they're shrill and 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 unhelpful. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it's, it's comic relief where she's she's falling sense. off the elephant because I don't like being outside. And then it's it's the Bond villain, it's the the Bond girl in in uh, uh, View to a Kill, where she's in the elevator just saying. James, save me! Yeah. Save me, James! It's, it's it, dead weight. It, it's it's kind of yeah. And and it, but it, okay, so it's a that's an interesting mechanic for the plot too because it, like like we said, Indy did not plan on being on this adventure. He did not plan on being with these people. And I think viewed in the context of the fact, or in, with viewed with the knowledge that George Lucas and uh, Spielberg were both going through divorces while making this film. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to see how uh, aggressively they characterize the female lead, yeah, as Which, as being as as almost uh, projecting their frustrations with mm-hmm. their um, former spouses. Right. Yeah, it, and that's it's like they, I'm I'm J- I'm Indiana Jones and I'm calm and cool headed and you have this woman just just nagging at me and right. I think that's unfair. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting um, study in how your feelings influence your art. Exactly. And I mean, as an artist, you you really you express yourself. You express yourself, and you try to trigger the and elicit the emotions that you know. So and so it's, it's not a, it's not the worst thing. It is a bit unfair, like you said. Yeah, because I mean, in, in but I think Indiana Jones as a character is over the top. Right. So you have the shrill character being sh- shrill they, and over the top. They did it and made it they made it fit in their universe. Yes. Cuz she doesn't seem out of place really. Because she's essentially like a kino age or she's like a singer. Mhm. In, in yeah, it, it's kind of, you it's would like, expect it really. It's a fish out of water situation mm-hmm. where it's like I'm used to and yes, that makes sense, but I mean and I I think that attributes she's to She's also the only female you really see in the movie outside. From, yeah. She's really? The, yeah. Yeah. Actually. She's the only one with speaking lines that are English. Yes. Oh, I think almost close to any other female character in the movie is foreign or elderly. Mm-hmm. Or, 
Yeah. She's she's the only one with English speaking line or only mm-hmm. female in the movie with English lines. And I think I think mixing up the female interest, getting him stuck with like a, a kid sidekick, attributes to kind of mixing it up, which I think is also another thing that helps prequels. Yeah. It, it doesn't know, it, rely on the old formula. It's like, well, exactly. this is new. And it still works. Um, yeah, because it's like you, before thinking chronologically, before Raiders, like, obviously there have been, he says a line to Marion when they first meet up in the bar in Nepal is there have been other women or plenty of, or, you know, something like yeah. that, like a throwaway line. And it, at this point with our knowledge, we know that refers to Willie at some point. Yeah. And it's like, she is one of the other women. The movie ends with them still in India together with short rounds. Like we have no idea where the story went, but we don't need to. I think that's one thing that threw me off the most about uh, the fourth Indiana Jones movie is that they played really hard on referencing other movies. Like Uh, I was disoriented because it's like, they brought back a bunch of characters, and I had having having not seen the other movies in a while. It was like, it's the nostalgia. wait, who the hell's who the hell's Marion? Like, and that sounds right. crazy, but like it's it's been years. Yeah, no, and so and that comes into the whole thing because she's not like, even mentioned in the third movie. Mm-mm. She's in the first movie, not in the second one, not in the third, and in the yep. fourth one, we're expected to like just come back, be to really it. excited. It's like, oh, mm. it's his one true love. She's not his one true love. She's. And it's it's insinuated that she's a student that he took advantage of. Yeah, by yeah, because so it it does, and to just, to tangent on the sequels, mm-hmm. I because I think this also ties into what I was saying earlier about uh, a time gap mm-hmm. before returning to a franchise, and how that can hurt it is they had to kind of rehash what we knew. They had to refresh everyone. But yeah, and the way they did that is they wrote in. Uh, Marion's father, who is referenced in Raiders, and it is like even in Raiders, it's kind of referred to that he took advantage of her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and with like what his rebuttal was something like, You knew what you were doing, yeah. And it's like the idea that both of them kind of knew what was happening and agreed with that, and then uh laying all the drama between him having to find his old mentor and because of that it brought him back to Marion and then he discovers spoiler alert he has a son and like but having to go through all that years after we like it would have been so nice to just return to a solid Indiana Jones story instead it would have, of they being could have given it the Mad Max the treatment yeah and just and a not I'm not even I don't even mean as like a reboot or a new mm-hmm. actor I mean, just a silent protagonist, like Indiana Jones, older, dealing with the, an archaeological situation. Something. Like, maybe reference the other movies mm-hmm. a little bit. Maybe bring back one character. Like, like but I w- make that character contribute to the story in a way that, like, right. lets that story not distract me by thinking, like, oh, fuck, I'm missing out by not watching the other movies. And I think because that's... I hate when that happens. Right. And I think that's definitely something that can be attributed to prequels and sequels alike. Um, but it, it feeds back into that time gap because you look at Temple of Doom to bring it back in. That was, what, three, five years after the first Indiana Jones? Not even. Not even. Def- like three years. Two to three years, Yeah, I think. Um, and, like, you knew. 
And even because you knew, they didn't have to refer to anything from the previous movie. Yeah. Not a single thing. And it works because it's also a prequel. I so feel like none of that happened yet. There's also a fear, because you need to, in, as a producer, there's a fear that you don't want to stray too far from what's known, mm-hmm. but you want to keep it different enough so that it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel old. Right. And I, I, it's, it, it's, a, it's a really fragile balance. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I've got something that I was reading earlier that kind of mentions that balance. Um, I can't find it right now, but in it involve it exactly what you just said. You know, like stick to what you know, but add to yeah. it. You know, uh, don't shake everything up, but shake a couple things up. Tell us something. May uh, introduce both old and new characters. In Temple of Doom, they the only old character we have is Indy. Yeah. Everybody else is a new face. Uh, but it's such a familiar... The way they open it is both extremely different and so familiar to the franchise. Because they characterize him by showing him doing what he does. Exactly. It's, but it, and it, you're it's back showing, in the world. And then there's the goofy, like... They wanted oh, to do no. a musical number. There's a diamond skittering across the dance mm-hmm. floor. People are kicking it, and she's about to get it, and then a bucket of ice falls, and it's like, it's it's that that stress and the high stakes, and then the poison, and, and then, then but the and humor. then the humor, and then mm-hmm. it's kind of the slapstick, but it's not slapstick because it's still life or death. And yeah, it's which I think is another thing is they really change like. I think we referred to this a little bit. Maybe this attributes to it being one of the better prequels out there is it changes the tone of the franchise. Yeah. You think, you think of the three movies and I mean, at least myself, the other two are very close tonally. Mm-hmm. And this but I is, feel like it's still a movie that people show to kids. I oh yeah. I maybe, saw this before I was 10 a lot. It's PG because it's still, it's still goofy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got the it's got this really intense balance because it's like the tone is so different on both ends because it it has a lot more goofy things than Raiders did, mm-hmm. or even arguably uh, um, Last Crusade, but it also has a lot of darker things, and I think that helps it out as a movie by itself because it's like we there we have two comedic relief characters amongst a main character in one of the darkest settings you can yeah. think of. And it gives you a lot of, I think I read someone mentioning it like uh, an oxygen supply. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that, in a lot of cases, com- that's the, the role that comic relief serves. Yeah. Is to break the tension of, of like and the idea that they need heavy tune. shit. And it's like, Oh, we're going to pull a comic relief. Mm-hmm. So that, you know that all hope is not lost. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, oh. and they ultimately say them too. Yeah. You know, because we we see our character torn down, and okay, so that's another thing. It going back to kind of like tell us something we don't know. It showed us something we've never seen, even though it's only the second movie in the franchise to be made. We saw Indy lose in the first movie. He didn't win every situation he was in, but he got himself out of it. Mm-hmm. We legitimately see, like, I arguably, like, short, the lowest he's been. Short round saves the day. If yeah. it weren't for his, his friend and his, 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 his sidekick, 
he'd be dead. Yeah. Like he and all after a scene where we see short round beaten so and forced to watch Indy be beaten and then uh hypnotized. Yeah. And then where he then attempts to like sacrifice the female lead. Yeah. And that's something you would have ne- like you never would have thought Indiana Jones capable of. And it, Temple of Doom looks at you and it like it makes us watch it uh, as short round. I was saying while mm. we were watching it, it's like it hits us over the head with it because you're expecting light. You expect him you, to get out of the situation. Like, even when they force it down his throat, he still gets it up and spits it in their face. Yeah. And that's when they start beating both of them until it's like, no. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, shit, he's hypnotized. Yeah, like, whoa, and, how do you get out of that? It's yeah, because like, it's like, oh, we saw this guy take on help. Nazis. Yeah. Like, like... Arguably, some of the worst people in the, the villains, franchise. The, the villains are the villains of all. Yeah, the villains and it, literature. He got out of it, and now we're seeing him as the bad guy for a short time. You know, and it's like it's one of those things. It's like the the nega the negative of your hero is like the worst villain because yeah. it's it's in, like it's him. He's the one that's more powerful than everybody else but now he's on their side what yeah. do we do and the only thing we can do is short round i'm gonna pivot a little bit okay um i wanted to briefly explore what is a prequel oh, okay yeah kind of define it set up because i i, I have a couple examples of th- that could potentially using the the, the most basic dis- uh definition right a movie that takes place in the same narrative or the, in the same with the same characters mm-hmm. before a movie that was made that precedes it. an existing work. Yes, gotcha. Um, the 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 basic I guess the, the 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 easiest example is you have Star Wars Episode Four and then Star Wars Episode One. Yes, those, those are you know, sequel prequel. You have Indiana Jones in the uh, Temple of Doom preceding uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark right where it's not really sold as a prequel it just happens to happen chronologically before yes and then there's the more extreme version of that where you have um, Iron Man Ooh. and then you have Captain America you know that's a good yeah is Captain America a prequel mm. so by the base definition or do you consider the prequels for, like, Captain America... Would Captain America just be the first in a series for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Captain, like, Captain America series, not oh, counting okay. so now, the Marvel Cinematic Yeah, because now we're thinking larger franchises, which yeah. was, a, was not a thing. Yeah. Which is interesting in a whole nother level, because you look at, like, what George Lucas and Steven Spielberg did with almost inventing the trilogy, right? Of what we understand as a trilogy when it comes to blockbuster As a blockbuster, yeah. And now Marvel did something different where they're like, not only that, but we have trilogies in trilogies. They developed a cinematic universe. Yeah. And you have like, it's not, it's like a TV show on on the macro scale. And it's the only other thing that could pull that off was Star Wars before it. Yeah. And And I think they're trying to do that. Exactly. They're making Rogue One, Mm -hmm. which... Also a prequel. Is it? 
And then that's I guess Rogue One is kind of another corollary where Rogue One takes place before Episode Four. Mm-hmm. But is it in the the trilogy where it influences the overarching story? Like, mm-hmm. I think is it in the trilogy or the franchise? Well, yes, it, it chronically take it chronologically t- it both blah, it both chronologically takes place before an existing movie. Mm-hmm. In that but it universe, also takes place after existing movies. Yes, but it, I mean, it's still it's still definitely a right. prequel. But it it also takes place within. An existing universe. Mm-hmm. I don't think that like it doesn't happen in a vacuum, but it also has like because you have the Star Wars episode one through six mm-hmm. or one through seven now, right? And then you have Rogue One, which doesn't follow any of the protagonists. It's not. A, I, I think it's like the Indiana Jones and um, the Ra- or Temple of Doom situation, where it's oh. not trying to serve a wider narrative it's just it's serving its own narrative in the context of mm-hmm. a wider narrative it would almost be like if temple of doom wasn't an indie movie but it was one of the side characters from raiders almost yes and it was like a prequel to whatever they did or it's it's not showing the the development of this trilogy it's a prequel or, spinoff yeah yeah cuz it is the the new Star Wars and at that stories. point, would it even be a prequel or would it just be a... Because uh, in the base definition of... Would you define a prequel as something that takes place before? Like it's, it's trying to be episode one. It's like a retcon. So is, a is retcon it, is a very different term. We can't just throw that around. Uh, because a retcon is corollary I feel like the Star Wars situation with episode one, two, and mm-hmm. three, those are retcons. I think... Re- I, because yeah, I can I can I, both agree and disagree. I, I feel like those are retcons where you 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 have things that are that happen in a trilogy that works, mm-hmm. and then you go back, or you have you have things that happen in a, in a movie series that works or a movie, and then you go back, and you literally show it, and in showing it, you change things in a way that changes the way that um, everything else is understood. Yes. Like the introduction okay. of Medichlorians, which is right. never mentioned in any of the it movies. It totally... And so, okay. And never mentioned again, technically. So this is a really solid subject on it. This is good. Because that's one of the biggest problems people have with the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, that's what makes them bad prequels. And, I mean, arguably bad movies. But you're right. It retcons something we already know. It's like... It's as if... It, if if uh, Temple of Doom had made Indiana Jones not afraid of snakes anymore. Right. Like, yeah. I've never been afraid of snakes. I don't mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. I would have been I would have been upset. Yeah, it, it's that a little it's, thing. That's but not Indiana been... Jones anymore. That's that was something that was used to describe his character. It's just like, oh, now suddenly he's just able to like snap mm-hmm. snakes in half or in the movie they show him being like, I'm not afraid of snakes and then he becomes afraid of snakes. Yeah. Uh, that might work. And at the Maybe. same time, it's hard... To, if it was convincing and well done, but if it didn't seem yeah. like it was just like... If it ends with like, oh, snakes, I hate snakes. Like, that would have felt like they were hitting me over the head. Yeah. And the, and at the same time, to do the talk about Star Wars, it the Metachlorians don't make sense because an entire... Like, an ancient religion based on something they understand... With the a scientific science, explanation. It, it's hard to believe because there's no... There's nothing that really agrees with that in our world. Argue with that however you want. But, like... Yeah. 
it doesn't make sense with the predefined rules of their universe. It, I, I you're right. A, it yeah. retcons it. I have a couple, other couple of prequel sequel examples. Okay. Um, can we? All right. Can we? The retcon. Yes. Looking it up real quick. I mean, as a verb, you're revising something. You described it beautifully, right? Okay. Like it changes something we've already understood. Yeah. So, I think you're right. I think the Star Wars movies. They are prequels by the base definition. I think what makes them bad prequels is they also try to retcon. I think there's a lot of things that make them Well, bad, yes, but, but... Something that contributes to a bad... A bad prequel that goes across the board. If you make a prequel and you try and retcon something that's already understood and left go, I think that goes back to leave trivial or things Or shed trivial. too much light on something that... It doesn't need doesn't it. Contribute yeah, it's like story. we don't need to know... Like It doesn't enrich... Yeah. Other things. I think, and then, so to talk about the snakes thing also, it's like, so now we understand the force, right? And we don't like, why does the opening of The Last Crusade telling us why he's afraid of snakes not ruin that? Because it also gives him the whip. Oh, it balances it. It balances it. We get the hat, we get the whip. But it's also him like, it's like super, it's a super... It's a super it's prequel. A, yeah, because it's a Cause prequel it inside a, kid. a sequel. Uh, right? We also get the scar on the chin. It's like, why not explain that? <laughs> Harrison Ford had that anyway. It, it's it's an interesting mm, thing. Because, but, but it's not a retcon because they're not changing anything. They're not they're changing just describing anything? it. Fair. Yeah, they're they're just they're giving and it it's believable. It's enjoyable. It also shows uh, it it prefaces the movie in one of the best ways ever because it also shows why he uh, is so determined to achieve his father's um, not acceptance, but approval. Approval. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's not, that's a theme in the movie, but that's not a major thing. In yeah. the movie. And prefacing that relationship as him as a kid, while he's going through this, like, I'm going to be this for the rest of my life. Seeing that, I think that's why they can get away with, this is why he's afraid of snakes. This is why he has the hat. This yeah. is why he has the whip. Like, this made him, almost. And then you get the but young Indiana Jones TV show, and it's I'll like, also, that adds. I'll also say that all of that, like, that foundation was still also in service of the theme. Okay, yeah. Where it's like, it. not only do they go back to... That they go back to his dad. Yes, it um, all it, it's the culmination of the entire. It's about event. acceptance of himself and all the, that. Like it ends in his dad's. Office. It's all it's all thematically relevant to the narrative of that that own story. Yes, like if you're yeah. gonna make a movie mm-hmm. where they explore the characters, like why characters the way it is, that movie that has to be the theme of the movie. Yeah. That has to be something that's like a, a reoccurring thing. That, that has to be something that, that defines what the movie's about, right. both in how things are happening. Which so br- it doesn't feel just tacked on. Yeah. Which brings me to something we didn't think about until after we finished Temple of Doom, The Godfather Part 2. Mm. Prequel or sequel? Okay. Or both? I'm going to sound like a really bad film enthusiast. I've never seen it. No way. No. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to sound like a really bad fan. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll get a two for uh, Godfather episode later on the line which would be pretty fun but so the idea is after the events of the first movie we catch up with uh what i remember we 
The second movie is based on one of the characters from the first movie, and it continues his story after the events of the first movie. But it also um, tells the story of the family from before the first movie and how they've got into power. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's both a prequel and a sequel. And a lot of people online, after looking it up, are also saying like it's a better prequel because it's not only a great prequel, it's also a great movie and a great sequel because of the way it formatted it. And it it goes by some of these rules I was reading off earlier, like it tells us something we don't know. Would it you mixes al- it up. Would you also say that the, the use of um, generational narratives re- like is in service to a theme yes, around it family. Definitely, yes, it definitely ties together because what happens before so the first movie also ties on. into what's happening now. Yeah. Definitely not tacked mm. on. It is absolutely relevant, just like you're saying with The Last Crusade. I, having, I mean, talking about those two, I don't even want to bring up the ones that I had in mind right now. Oh, no. Because they just don't seem as good. Well, um, but, okay, well, do you want to start talking about what may, like, some bad prequels? Well, because we've talked about both. I'm going to talk about bad. some contentious prequels. Oh, okay. Um, and prequels may not be openly considered prequels. Prometheus. Prometheus. Okay. And Alien. They take place. Prometheus takes place before Alien. Mm-hmm. It doesn't directly feed into Alien. It doesn't directly retcon anything in Alien. It's it it, it it's mm-hmm. almost like a lateral narrative, kind of like how, yeah. kind of like. Um, it, Rogue One. Yeah. Aside from the existence of um, it's Darth not, Vader in the movie. It's not, here's how the alien from Alien got there. It's how that species happened. Yeah. And it. a lot of people didn't like that movie cause they, cause because it wasn't a, a solid prequel. Right. It wasn't directly tying into it. Um, that being said... It, would you consider it a prequel? The way I always understood it. Now, I'm a fan of the franchise, but I'm not. I was never really hung up on Prometheus. I actually like it. I mean, I I enjoyed it in theaters, but I'm not. I'm not. I've rewatched it. I'm not sure if prequel properly defines what it is. Because because it's, that, it's too that, much of a standalone. You think? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get really get get to. Like how well, how. How in line with the narrative does something have to be to be a prequel? Okay, so I think to define that, we need to find the two poles. And I think one good example of that is in a list of 10 best movie prequels that I've read somewhere. Yeah. They listed Batman Begins, and I was really mad about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Cause it, you're right, it is a prequel because it precedes an existing work based on the same character. But is it technically a prequel to those previous Batman because movies? The, because it's not in the same franchise. It's a part of its own narrative. Exactly. Yeah. It's a completely, re- it's a retcon, but also technically a prequel because it's set before any other Batman story. But it also had. stands on its own as a work of art. It does. Yeah. So it's like, I think Batman Begins would be the far left as it's not a prequel because the movies before it, it's not in that franchise. It's its own franchise. Someone call it even a reboot. Yeah, yeah, definitely a reboot. I think a reboot and a retcon kind of... Because there's a reboot, a retcon, and a prequel. Mm -hmm. There's the reboot where they just start over. 
um, there's there's the, the hybrid reboot where a it's reboot like, retcons the entire universe. A retcon be, can be minor things. Yeah, gotcha. And often little retcons are really fucking annoying. Yes, that's where things get wonky. And then there's a straight prequel, right. where they just go and, back and explain. So I think. And then there's the fourth one where it's just a story that takes place before it that's not connected to anything. Now, yeah, okay. That's, so that, that's that's really what I'm getting for. Like, I'm trying to define what Rogue One is. I'm, I'm not, really trying to understand. Not it's, just it, it Rogue do, One. It doesn't feel like a prequel to me. Not just Rogue One. I have a One. hard time considering it a prequel. But at the same time, this year, this weekend, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Prequel is, to Harry Potter? It's I, a completely I don't thing. think it's a prequel. It's I, its own story. I, I, I don't believe that that's a prequel. I don't think Rogue One's a prequel. It's um, its own story, I don't think but Prometheus it's just set is before. Now, just because it's in the franchise and it's set before, you don't think it's a prequel. Yes. I don't think it's a, it's, it's a prequel because it's in the same universe, but it's not in the service of the same core characters. So you're... I think core characters define mm. a prequel. So in your mind, the only thing that makes the Star Wars prequels prequels are Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, Darth Vader's in Rogue One. Oh, but it, he's... I don't know if he's a protagonist. Like, or He's not a main character. He's definitely not a main character. He's not a main character. He's, he's, he's a universal force. Yeah. If almost it's almost I I almost feel like I'm expecting it to be a cameo, or not cameo, but like he's gonna be the villain. Yeah. But I don't he's not following the he's not the main the, the villain. Main we have a face for a main villain. Yeah, but we know he's appeared in trailers and yeah. things like that. Another example is uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, the Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal, mm-hmm. and then after Hannibal was Red Dragon. Right. Red Dragon takes place before that. Yes. I remember being confused watching Red Dragon when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, and then my mom explained That's it to d- me. I consider that definitely to be a prequel. Because mm. it, it follows... Hannibal's in it. Yeah, he's in it. Although he's not the villain, but he... It all... Okay, definitely a prequel. It also sets up uh, Silence of the Lambs. Because that detective is doing the same thing Clarice is doing mm-hmm. in meeting with a Hannibal. lot of people did not like Red Dragon. Really, I thought it was great. I really, I, I, I uh, semi recently binged all of it. I consumed okay, I haven't all seen it recently. of the Red. Like I watched every Hannibal movie uh, except for the first one that um, was technically what Red Dragon was. Right. Um, it was like the, it was before they put Anthony Hopkins in it. It was yeah. probably a different, completely different production company. Manhunter. I've never seen Manhunter. Oh, okay. That's the name of the movie. Um, the TV show, everything. I had, short of reading the books and watching Manhunter, I've, I've consumed pretty much all I could about uh, Hannibal. And then I came upon Hannibal Rising. And that is a Star Wars Episode One level prequel, prequel. that is both entirely based on a character that I don't give a shit about, but is still connected to the print, the main, like it's Hannibal Mm -hmm. as a kid. And I hate him because it's stupid and I don't care. Now, what about the TV show? That is its own work. I, I, I don't don't consider it in line with the, the cinematic uh, timeline. Now I haven't seen the show. I haven't seen, I think Anthony Hopkins makes the move, makes it. Yeah. It's, it's, but do they tie the show into the movies at no, all? Not no, at all. The really? the actors 
are completely different. Mm-hmm. They they change genders of characters. They change um, wow. okay. a couple of names of characters. So it retcons multiple things, also considered a reboot? I would consider it a reboot. A yeah. televised reboot? A televised reboot. It's its its own portrayal or, or, or a retelling of the Hannibal myth- yeah. mythology. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, then definitely not including that. And But Hannibal Rising... How just using what we've what we defined, yeah, it treads water that doesn't need to be treaded. It it it, mm-hmm. may, it elevates things that were essentially petty, and it's got that long gap between got, the first movie and it, and it. So yeah. it kind of loses. I feel like you lose touch, but it also goes way too far in the back. It's like really, it yeah, it, it's him as a kid, and it's like I episode don't really, one. I Hannibal Lecter is is an adult. Yeah. He's an old man in prison. The first time. I don't need to see yeah. him as a kid. Right? I don't care. Yeah. Oh, bad things happen. Now, when you say kid, do? how old? He's like kid. a teenager. Okay. Not as... That's still bad. That's it, the worst time to see it's people. It's Anakin Skywalker level of just like, oh, right. Darth Vader's a kid. And it came out in 2007, so they can't even say that they didn't learn anything from Phantom Menace. Right? Uh... <laughs> Okay, so yeah, not... They also beat you over the head with a lot of it. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't make sense when he makes his decisions. It's, I, They're he's banking gonna, on the franchise. He becomes Darth Vader because you know that he will eventually become Darth Vader. There's no, like, reveal. Or, and like, you, don't, you don't relate to the character because you're just like, well, he's arguing He doesn't have Vader. a full story arc. Yeah. And... I mean, he, things happen and he reacts, but the acting's bad and everything's... So, arguably, yeah. with prequels... Also, the acting was really bad. Fair. That's... Um... So another thing it seems like we're pointing out is if the time jump between the main work and the prequel is too big, it can get a bit murky. Now, so far we've uh, listed two that were only partial prequels. Or it might not even be a technical prequel. Yeah, well, so hear me out, hear me out. If you're tying it to characters. Yeah, but hear me out. In The Last Crusade, that was a long jump in the intro. Mm -hmm. But it worked because it was only part of the movie. And it, like, it set up a lot for and that so movie. It was also nested in... Yes. Same thing with The Godfather Part Two. Big time jump, especially considering where we are in the franchise at the moment that happens. And both of them portrayed relevant information to the theme. For the story that was the happening in that yes. story. So, as long as it's relevant, but at the same time, it seems like you can't make the whole movie based on that big of a jump. Yeah. It, it seems like that's a pattern that we're seeing. Now, I think there, I think at that point, the challenge would be to find something that makes that jump, but is still good. So you're not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but you're a fan. I've, I've seen all of them. Yeah. Now, what did you feel about the Hobbit movies? Uh, I can speak even for the books. Okay. Um, books and movies, I think they work. Yeah, I think they're good. The Hobbit is a good prequel because it doesn't spend too much. Like it works as a story on its own. Mm-hmm. In fact, I first the first book I read was The Hobbit. Right. Wow. I didn't even know that the Lord of the Rings was really a thing because there's like, oh, there's The Hobbit. Because I was yeah. reading Harry Potter and my my mom was like, yeah, hey. The Hobbit's the kids' book of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's arguably my favorite book ever and it, it and just going through our rules it has characters it follows it, it follows a character s- that's also in 
the two characters Lord of the Rings. that are in the yeah the main franchise. Although I think book wise, The Hobbit was written first. I could be wrong. Could be very wrong on that. Um, so I don't know. Oh, if, if the book preceded the, I don't know if that would count. But would the movies count as the movie franchise? I don't think so. But the movies were made after the previous movies, so I think as a movie franchise. There, you can't you can't lump them together. I think you have to keep the book franchise and the movie franchise separate, mm. because it it's also okay. we could dive into adaptation. But I think that's something we uh, would have to consider. Is you don't yeah you because adapting a the a, a, a sequel adapting the uh, the second book and then adapting the first book out of order, yeah. I don't know how much that would. I think that could make okay, in the literal sense, in 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 movie, in, in the in the realm of cinema, yes, the Hobbit movies are prequels. They're prequels. I think they work better because they're based on cohesive narratives that already that existed. Already, yeah. Okay. This is an interesting idea because now we have a prequel that's based on a previous work, which is something we haven't talked about yet. Because the prequel had to work on its own before it was even a prequel when it was a book because it was a book on its own. And I think the only things that really messed up the Hobbit movies were they were making prequel mistakes for the movie franchise instead of just following the narrative they were adapting. Mm-hmm. They were also trying to scram as much of the Salmarillion in there as they could. They were, which was an awesome touch, but, but at the same time we didn't need Legolas. It wasn't in service of the plot. Exactly. Which is... That that that's that's where you start getting into the hairy territory because uh-huh. everything in the movie needs to be in service of the plot, right? And and if it's not in service of the plot and it's distracting from the plot, there needs to be a reason that you're distracting from the plot within the fucking plot. Yeah. So yeah, because the Hobbit trilogy is a that's, prequel. That's we my get, belief. I mean, so I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's the Lars von no, Trier's. No, oh man, I could um, get behind that. Steven Soderbergh's that would disagree with me, <laughs> but I no, mean, it, even then, like I I. I I firmly believe that if something's not in the movie to contribute, it's it's just there. It's filler. It's, it's, it's filler. And that's not. It's not good. Filler won't. You can't make a foundation out of filler. Yeah. Nothing will hold up. It won't hold anything. It it's looks a, nice. It's a sawdust cheeseburger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't like it. And it's like, I think they could have like. Still on the subject of the Hobbit, I think they could have done better with what they did with like Legolas and even. I, th- I think the elf dwarf romance that they shoehorned in there at some point was a bit unnecessary, but I think they could have done better with it and it would have worked because it could have served the narrative. I think the biggest problem with the Hobbit, yeah, and I think this is this is a subject for another um, podcast. Okay, forced trilogies. Ooh, when you force a trilogy, Fuck, yeah. especially when you take a single existing narrative and, and cut it into parts. It. Mm, okay, that would be a good. I topic. hated it when Harry Potter did it with the last movie. I hated it when the Hunger Games did it with the last movie. That we we I could go off on this. Okay, all Let, right. Let's, we'll let's sit, go back we'll table to, that to rope it back in. Let's also wrap it up a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 been time about an to, hour. Time time to bring it in. So. The rules of a good prequel. We've got pay attention to not only the real world time jump. I think that dictates what kind of story. Because the like to rephrase and rehash what we've already said. I think 
the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not a prequel, but I think it's a movie that tries too much. The the Star Wars prequels. There's yeah. a big enough time gap to where it loses touch, right? At the same time, the Star Wars movies in universe time gap is a bit too much. Yeah. So I think paying attention to the time in and out of the franchise is important because I think a Star Wars prequel made with that much time period, but like if they had done Rogue One in 2001, that would have been really interesting and arguably better than the prequels we got. Because it's yes, like, but I think we're dealing too much in hypotheticals at this point. That's fair, but it's like, because I'm I'm re, I'm a stat. I'm talking about the rules that we've theorized. Yeah. You know, because it's like, what would have made the Star Wars prequels better? And it's like, yeah, you can't really dictate on how much time they spent between the previous trilogy, real world, in making these. But I think that time jump to young Darth Vader might have been a big contributing factor to yeah, jumping being, jumping to childhoods in it, making an entire movie about a character's childhood mm-hmm. when the character that the audience already knows is a fully fleshed out adult uh i feel is unnecessary because we are not who we were i'm not who i was five years ago yeah we I don't mean, need to see all of it like if you went if you if you rewound to high school the things that were important to me are fucking trivial. Mm. Like, sure, there were some some major life events maybe that like influenced things, but like it, we're talking butterfly effect at that point. Yeah, where it, 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 there's no real like direct correlation. There's no reason between like to show point. Oh, a when and I was in high B. school, I uh, I got my first film camera, and that was how I became a filmmaker. Now, yeah, okay, and then I was in middle school and I got my first camera. And then I went to I joined the Air Force. I went to mechanical engineering. Like there was it, there were so many other steps to get to like going to film. Right. But it wasn't like when he was seven, he got his camera, and then he became a filmmaker, and yeah. that's why he's a filmmaker. Darth Vader lost his mom, and now he's Darth Vader. To add to that, though, we've also agreed that making that jump, as long as it serves the narrative of the movie, like Godfather Part Two. But and that's a that's a flashback. Okay, that's fair. It's okay. an elevated flashback because it takes place over a larger yeah. part of the movie. So it's it, not a prequel. It's it's a it's a prequel. It's a meta prequel, or I guess, I guess it's like a hybrid. I, I think I think solid. It's not a, a prequel. It's a hybrid. Okay, not a prequel. You heard it here first. The Godfather Part Two is definitely not a prequel. It's a flashback. Yeah. And um, I guess, and I, that's also why they don't uh, consider. The third Indiana Jones movie yeah, to be definitely a prequel. not a prequel. It's a flashback. There's a flashback. I think flashbacks can work if they're in service of the story and they, mm-hmm. they provide relevant information that permeates. Um, and that's the only time you can make that time jump that's yeah. that big. Uh, next is keep the trivial trivial, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, don't rehash. Don't beat us over the head with the fact Indy is afraid of snakes or why the force works. We don't but definitely need, don't forget it. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to know why the force works. We just need to know it's there, you know, and that it does work. We don't need Tony Stark to like pick up the Iron Man's shield or Captain America's shield and say like, "Oh my gosh, this was Captain America's shield." But what we need the fact that it's in the room and he's like, "What the fuck is it? oh oh that? Give it to me." Yeah, he and then uses, he shoves it. 
it says unceremoniously it oh, speaks to gosh. his character mm-hmm. and references other things. It's, yeah. yeah, it's trivial to us. I, I keep going and the story. To, yeah, it, it doesn't matter to the story, but if if you care about it, it's there and you're delighted. But yeah. it's not distracting from the narrative. Exactly. In fact, it serves to support the plot mm-hmm. because it literally supports a thing in the movie. Yeah, he, exactly. He props up. Yep. It's like it legitimately. It's in service of the, the plot. Yeah. Um, and I think we've also It also agreed. communicates Tony Stark's irreverence. Yes. Um, another thing we've agreed on, I think, uh, would be tell us something we don't already know. Teach us something about the character. What can we learn from his or her past? Mm-hmm. Um, like Temple of Doom, we saw a lot more reckless abandon. And because of that, there was a lot more death, argue, like... Yeah, you know, especially in the opening, like that guy, like come on, Indy, you knew better. He knew better. Don't don't take drinks from strange Asian men that hold guns to you. Um, and I think shaking things up, I think that was another big one that we mentioned. Yeah, uh, and but I think not. Don't shake everything up. My golden rule. Okay. It's not a not a manifesto. It's not a paragraph long uh, <laughs> article. Yep. My golden rule is make the movie work as a movie. Step one. If if no, that's it. That's it. It le- it has to work. It has to work on its own. Okay. If it's going to be a good prequel. Yeah. It 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 if you haven't seen the the movie that it comes next, you don't need to. You don't. You shouldn't have to. Yes. You shouldn't feel like you're missing out. Because that, that distracts from the story. You should be able... If you were stuck in an island with this prequel... You should be able to enjoy it. You shouldn't it feel lost by the end movie. of it or by the beginning. It's like, oh shit, I feel like there's pieces that I just wasn't getting. Yeah. You, yeah. It needs to work on its own. It's okay to have something, referring back to Doom, the snakes, it's there. We understand, oh, he does. he's a really afraid of snakes. But, but we don't... We, we're, we don't feel left out because we didn't see the first yeah, one. Yeah, you're, you're you don't feel like you're not in on the joke. Mm-hmm. You don't feel excluded. Yeah. You're, you're enjoying, it stands you're 100% on its own. And I think that that is my... The golden Cesar rule. Cesar Rojas' golden rule to movie, sequel, movie prequels. Prequels. It has, to, it has to stand on its own. I think Yeah, and I think that could be said for any kind of movie, really. Yeah. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta keep. Oh, it. is that all, Caesar? Just just, just make yeah, a just movie? Ma- yeah, just make a good movie. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Great. Yeah. All right. Fucking curmudgeon. <laughs> um, just make it good. Yeah. Just make it good. From my <laughs> point of view, I feel like I'd need to say something as solid and like <laughs> such a foundation. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's that's who you are. Like, you need to make it a solid movie. And I look at it and I'm like. I 100% agree because I love good movies. Um, I think the key to a, a key to a good prequel, like you said, is make it stand on its own, but you need, hmm, how to say this? Because my idea of a good prequel is along the same lines. As mm-hmm. it needs to stand alone. I just don't think. I think you can get away with tying it in directly. You know? Um, but again, like with the, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit example. Right. The Hobbit worked as its own story. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings worked as its own story. Mm-hmm. 
um, is it's, it's a, that I think that's what makes to see prequels so more so much more difficult is that you have to you it, have to set up the other movie when you don't yes. people think they do but they don't yeah you have to unlearn what you learned mm-hmm. but you also have to be aware of what everybody else knows right so you don't yeah. want, you don't want to have to retread too much I, okay so golden rule for you I think I've got mine you want a standalone movie. I think the biggest problems I see in bad prequels is you need... Gosh, I had it. You need to stick to the rules of the franchise or the universe. I think too many times in what we consider bad prequels is Mm. they start throwing retcons in and things like that. They change something or... You know, it's so it's, it's not nearly enough to just make the movie work on its own. It has to work on it. It can't be too dependent on the source material, but it also has to have reference to its source material. I don't. It doesn't need or reference or reverence. Reverence. Okay. okay. Maybe not, maybe not even reverence, but like, no. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. I w- I wasn't agreeing with reference because I think as long as it obeys the, it needs to be a good movie and obey the source material. Yeah. That's okay. it. That's what you need to do. You hear that? Hollywood make some makes God make us proud. Make some good prequels. We're uh, we're gonna go see Fantastic Beasts sometime. <laughs> Definitely gonna see Rogue One. Yeah. And well, that's all the time we have today. Yeah. Um, it's been, this is a good topic. I really, yeah, I really like it, and I think uh, we've set up a couple more topics. <laughs> teased a couple things. But um, again, this has been another fireside chat with Caesar, and I'm Jared. You can follow us at. Uh, the Bat Cove on Twitter for myself and Caesar. The Spiffmaster underscore P. And we're going to be setting up a new Facebook page where we will put all the streams the next time we live stream this. So look look forward to that. Uh, Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. Later. Come on around. Prepare to meet colleagues.